The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello and welcome to Barron's Live Financial News Edition. I'm online editor Justin Cash and a Merry Almost Christmas to you all. No better time to talk about trading, in my view. So grab yourself a mince pie and a mild wine because for the next half an hour, we're going to be talking with Euronext CEO Stefan Buchner about what to look out for in 2024 and what the exchange might have in store. Stefan, thanks so much for joining us so near to the holidays. We're getting towards the end of the year, so let's start with your highlights. What stood out for you? Well, you know, for for Euronext, it was a totally pivoting year. I mean, uh, when you compare where the the company was a year ago and where we are today, uh, the fact that we have delivered so many uh, critical transformations, you know, for example, the migration of uh, Italian uh, cash markets into a single liquidity pool or single order book or single technology platform. But also in November, the migration of our cash markets into uh, your next hearing, it, it's a game changer. Uh, and, and when you look at the hard numbers, I mean, th- this, this is telling. I mean, uh, today, uh, 25% of the shares traded in Europe are trading on your next uh, market just because we are the largest liquidity pool, the largest order book, the largest uh, um, technology platform uh, that impacts equity markets. Uh, we, we have a, an aggregate, and I'm not sure people understand that. We have an aggregate market capitalizations of companies listed on Euronex, which is um, uh, close to 6.3 trillion, mm. 1,300 billion euros. That's more than twice the size of the aggregate market capitalizations of companies listed in London. Mm-hmm. The average daily volumes that we trade on Euronex are, depending on the days, between 10 and 12 billion euro. It's more than than twice, sometimes close to two and a half times the amount of equity trading in London. So things have changed fundamentally. And uh, when it comes to to, to listing, uh, we had uh, in Q3, uh, 72% of the of the listings in Europe that took place on your next markets. Overall, on a yearly basis, it's close to 50% of the listing of, of, of European companies that took place on your next market. So when it comes to equity, equity trading, equity listing, this year has been uh, the uh, fundamental illustration of, um, of, of, of the, the fact that, that we have become the leading pan-European market infrastructure for equity listing, equity trading. And, and you know, we are starting the voyage into post-trade with, uh, with clearing. That might not have been the case previously in, in equity trading when you've looked at you know, London's you know, pretty dominant position historically. Why do you think we have maybe seen a bit of a shift away from the city and what do you think european bourses can do to continue cashing in on what is seen as london's slipping position i think two things happened in parallel were not really correlated but ended up creating the situation where we are today in 2016 in june 2016 the fascinating brexit voyage started and it ended up, it was concluded and completed in February 21, if I'm not mistaken. In parallel, 
while uh, uh, the United Kingdom was unilaterally self-inflicting uh, this um, this this journey to decide to transition from being the the largest uh, capital center of uh, financial markets uh, in Europe to the largest financial center of the United Kingdom. Uh, in parallel to that, we we were building uh, the Euronext strategy to 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 consolidate exchanges and to consolidate the liquidity pool. So, on the one hand, uh, London was decided to to take back control and to be uh, isolated, and on the other hand, Euronext was consolidating uh, markets, equity markets in Europe. Hence, a situation where, after six years, you have uh, the single liquidity pool, the single order book, the single technology platform, including the, 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 the Italian markets, which were acquired in 21 from London Stock Exchange. And on the other hand, you have an isolated market. So what, what's happening? Uh, we are getting more and more attractive. We had 12 international listings in, in 23. It's not a lot, but that's most of them and almost all of them, because if that not, I'm not mistaken, only one or two international listings took place in London. International listing being defined as companies that are not local that decide to list where you are. We had even nine, uh, or no, we had 10 Spanish companies listing on, on Euronext. And uh, this is more than the, the Spanish companies listing in Spain. So my point is that we have become more attractive because we have a much deeper liquidity pool. In parallel, in parallel, the, the liquidity pool of, uh, of London became much smaller. Hence, the decision about moving to the US or not. We don't have the same debate in, in continental Europe. I'm using continental Europe because I believe that the UK, for historical and geographic reasons, belongs to Europe, and that will not change for the next uh, 2,000 years. So uh, the reality is that uh, uh, New York today is a problem for London. New York is not a problem for Europe because the liquidity pool of Euronext is far bigger than the liquidity pool of the London Stock Exchange. And therefore, uh, the liquidity problems faced by large companies in London are not comparable to the liquidity problem by the, of the large companies listed on Euronext. That's, yeah. that's what happened. Do you think that more consolidation is needed to properly cement that position, though? Obviously, um, news of discussions that you guys have had with Deutsche Börse in the past emerged this year. Is that is those kind of deals still on the radar? And what impact would they have if you are still looking for them? No, you know, Euronext is an open federal model. So anyone is welcome to join, provided that uh, there is a common understanding on, on the federal governance, on the single liquidity pool, the single order book, the single technology platform, and uh, and uh, shared supervision, etc. So uh, for the moment, uh, uh, Deutsche Börse has decided to remain independent, also because what is core to us, which is our equity business, not only equity listing, equity trading, but also all the, 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 the corporate services we've built around that, it's not central to the to the Deutsche Börse strategy, if I understand it well, because they have uh, areas of expertise that are absolutely impressive in other fields of 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 the of the industry. So, uh, for the moment, uh, their appetite, as I understand it, for for consolidation is not very very massive, and 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 anyone who wants to consolidate with us has to accept that uh, we have a, a framework. 
uh, where every every market has to feel at home, the and 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 that therefore it's a balanced framework. So I I, I don't think there is a lot to to elaborate. I mean, uh, uh, on the paper, this deal could make sense uh, uh, for 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 clients in terms of synergies and everywhere. Uh, but but for the moment, I don't see any dynamic to to make it happen. For the rest of Europe, there are a few situations here and there where consolidation could make sense. And again, we are again, monitoring them, we are exploring them. But um, uh, you know, uh, for for a deal to happen, you need a willing buyer. So we are. But you need also a willing seller. What the bankers call it an actionable situation, and most of the relevant situations for the moment are not actionable. But you know, I, I remember. Uh, being told uh, at the beginning of uh, 2020 that Borsa uh, Italiana will never be for sale, and the deal happened. I remember having been told in 2018 in Oslo that uh, Oslo Burst will never be for sale, and and the deal happened. So so let's see. Uh, and uh, the, the the short version is that we are open to welcome any uh, European platform that wants to be part of our uh, integrated Europe uh, consolidation journey. That leads us quite neatly onto uh, a question from the audience. Thanks so much for that. Do keep posting yours in the Q&A channel if you want me to feed them through to Stefan. This one is from James. What do you make of Christine Lagarde's recent suggestion to establish a common stock exchange group and a single markets regulator? The short version is we like it, we even love it, uh, mm -hmm. and we support it. The long version is that I can tell you that a profound dynamics towards accelerated integration of European markets has started a few years ago. The delivery is still very small, but something very fundamental is happening in 2024, above and beyond the uh, uh, elections, the presidential elections in the US. In November, we will have beforehand in June uh, a new uh, European Parliament. Uh, uh, which will be a significant uh, renewal of uh, the political arm of the of the European Union, and we will have a new commission appointed in July by the the, the member states. Uh, the everyone across Europe, and I'm traveling across Europe every week in one or two capital cities of each uh, European country, uh, and uh, and everyone in Europe is working hard and is thinking hard, is writing a lot to prepare for. Uh, the the the, the to-do list, the shopping list of this new commission, of this new parliament. And I can tell you that everyone is obsessed about taking shortcuts to accelerate the integration of markets. One of the most visible shortcuts is moving to the single supervision. And one of the ideas that is being shared is before uh, getting, or instead of getting or trying to deliver a binary big bang, the status quo or the single supervision, would be to have a single supervision only for the large or multi-local organizations that need it and to keep the option open for the small local uh, platforms or organizations that prefer to be regulated locally to do be regulated locally. But clearly, the sort of opt-in regime would be uh, uh, the best solution. And uh, we are grateful to Christine Lagarde for having uh, initiated that debate, which is, uh, which is taking getting traction Sorry, very, very, very quickly. From your discussions across Europe, what's your sense of how prepared the continent is for the end of the temporary extension in equivalence of clearing? LCH still having a very dominant position on, in that, the European authorities being very clear that they want to, in the medium term, transition back to the bloc. You know, 
the key word in your question is transition. Mm -hmm. No one could think that a business which is so large and which entails so much systemic risk, where if something goes wrong, taxpayers will have to pay. No one can think that it can be done offshore in a, in a, in a, in a, in an environment where the local regulations will, by definition, diverge because this is just the the, the meaning of history. I mean, things diverge when they are not integrated. Uh, so, the direction of travel is that Europe will have to be uh, autonomous in this matter because of the systemic risk attached to 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 these very large uh, operations. Yeah. Now, for the moment. The debate has been between equivalence and the deadline. Now there is equivalence and uh, a mechanics with these accounts me mechanism to, to mitigate uh, the, the day after the deadline. Um, I think all that are transi transition uh, measures, but over time, probably on the occasion of a significant technology change, uh, players in Europe will have to offer uh, um, uh, clients solutions that are competitive yeah. and and uh, to 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 what is being done outside the european union that again that, that leads me uh you know that issue of systemic risk uh, quite nicely onto another question from our audience this one is from larry besides ever spreading war for which the eu is not prepared and energy price vulnerability what are the other major risks there I think uh, the main risk in Europe is uh, if we are not able to deliver accelerated uh, capital market union, if you are not able to accelerate uh, the delivery of a single market. You know, the single market is a very, very powerful tool. The only reason why the rest of the world respects us, the only reason why the, the Chinese and, 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 and the Americans respect us is because of the single market. It's because 450 million people on this small part of the planet have been able to build a relatively high level of GDP per capita, 25K per capita approximately, uh, have been able to build um, uh, 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 an integrated uh, political environment with, with a population which is only third to China, 1.4 billion, India, 1.4 billion, and then Europe, 450 million, so 100 million more than, than the US. And, and, and that's super important to accelerate the delivery of the single markets. I think we have all the ingredients to, to, do, to do that. Enrico Letta has been mandated by the Council to, 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 to deliver a, a sort of um, to-do list to, to go to the next level. And, um, and I think we will get there. But in the event, for whatever reasons, um, um, uh, there is a panic mode. Uh, situation and we don't deliver, that will be a problem. The other, the other issue is more science fiction, which is that in the event uh, uh, the elections in the United States go to a directions of total disengagement about Europe, uh, in the event where uh, Ukraine was to uh, lose the war, then uh, probably the appetite for of Russia to revisit uh, the map of Europe and to revisit the situation, security situation in Europe will be unleashed. And that could all of a sudden transition from uh, Europe has a security problem on the east towards Europe as a security problem everywhere. And and that, that the combination of these two factors, Europe not being able to implement for real the accelerated uh, completion of the single market 
which I think is a low risk. And uh, the dark scenario of the outcome of the US presidential elections leading to a total disengagement uh, of, of Europe on the security front and therefore unwanted consequences vis-a-vis -vis, uh, from, from more Russian neighbors, that, that, could, that could create a situation which will uh, uh, dislocate uh, um, the, the, the assumptions on the basis of which we have built uh, the budgets of our respective organizations. Let's imagine that, you know, maybe not quite as dark a, a scenario regard to security, but the US election goes in a particular way. Do you anticipate finally, you know, the US tech stock premium, for example, subsiding that those political risks could actually filter through into capital market valuations and Europe could potentially take advantage of that? I don't know. I don't know because... Uh... Uh, honestly, we are in a total terra incognita. Uh, the possible uh, re-election of um, Mr. Biden is something that everyone can more or less figure out. The possible uh, re-election uh, of, uh, of Mr. Trump is a totally uh, uh, different world with mm. absolutely no idea as to how will uh, uh, the, the rest of the of the society react and how the the deep state will 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 react this time etc so I, I have no clue uh, as to what will be the the implication I would assume it will create uh, more 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 volatility in in the markets that's for sure one of my favorite sayings uh, predictions are notoriously difficult particularly when they're about the future <laughs> But for, for your tenure, you obviously just extended how long you're going to be at Euronext. Closer to home, what do you want to make sure you achieve personally, professionally in that time? Well, you're, I've been renewed for a third mandate uh, in, uh, in May. Uh, so my term ends in May uh, uh, 27. We have achieved a lot over the past eight years, eight, nine years. I mean, it, it's amazing. When I joined Euronex uh, in 2015, November 2015, the, the market cap was uh, below uh, 2 billion euro. It's now uh, 8.5 uh, billion. Uh, the, to the, the top line was 400 million. It's now uh, 1.5 uh, billion. The, um, the, the, um, the, the EBITDA margin had been uh, between 30 and 40%. It's now uh, at 60%. So we have worked a lot to make the company stronger, more relevant, uh, for, and hence uh, what I've mentioned as us becoming the backbone of the capital market union. Because really, you have to understand that when people talk about the capital market union is about a single market for equity, this is it. We have made it bottom up through a corporate consolidation. So I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of having been able to build a group where uh, people from Paris, Amsterdam, uh, uh, Brussels, Lisbon, uh, Oslo, Dublin, uh, London, uh, Milan, uh, work together, not to mention teams that are also in New York, Helsinki, Tallinn, Berlin, uh, Madrid for, for commercial or technological uh, purposes, and so on, and or Singapore. So I'm, I'm proud of that, of having built something super multicultural with the federal governance, with uh, eight nationalities in uh, in my exco of 16 people, mm -hmm. uh, seven nationalities in the supervisory board of 10 people. So this is the proof that that Europeans can build uh, uh, very performing and growing operations while respecting their uh, local sensitivities. Mm 
I mean, every day I speak Norwegian English, uh, Belgium English, Dutch English, uh, Italian English, uh, Irish English, uh, and sometimes French English, and uh, and 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 that's that that's really uh, a source of proud of pride. Sorry, that to have been able to amalgamate people who have so different culture and work together for building integrated capital markets. Yeah. Now, going forward. What we need to do in 24 is to pivot the organization towards more innovation, more organic growth, to to monetize uh, the benefits of the platform we've built. We are now integrated all through the value chain from listing, trading, clearing, CSDs, corporate services, data, etc. So we need now that we are more integrated than ever uh, to be able to go to clients and, and offer uh, more uh, integrated value propositions. And that's why we are very ambitious in building a new uh, derivative strategy, for example. We now have, we have a, a decent derivatives business, which is not a big challenger to the large derivatives house on the mm -hmm. continent, maybe, not maybe, certainly, uh, with, with our uh, clearing house, which is in-house now, within the group, your next clearing, we are going to take uh, this derivatives business to the next level. So I'm very enthusiastic about the opportunity to unleash energy, agility, uh, strength, uh, innovation in 2024 and beyond to, to, to monetize the value which is, uh, for the moment, encapsulated in, in the new Euronext we've built. On those kind of commercial decisions what do you make of more broadly in the exchange landscape of people moving in terms of pure income away from equity trading listings towards you know data analytics because you know if you look at somewhere like the LSE the you know the vast majority of its of its revenue post you know refinitiv and all the rest of it is actually not from a lot of the you know the trading issues that we're we're talking about it's from the these other issues i mean do you see yourselves making that move and more broadly do you see policy makers on board with that when you know particularly here in london the conversation is very much around get listings get listings get listings rather than oh actually you know you're making more money from from other things now no, I think you you are spot on. So two things. First of all, uh, it's it's very difficult to compare uh, Euronext and the two other large players in Europe because uh, between 2007 and 2013, Euronext was under U.S. occupation, was part of the New York Stock Exchange, and no investment were made in Europe at that time. And uh, up to a point where ICE bought uh, the combined group in 2013 and decided to keep uh, the assets they liked, the New York Stock Exchange, the life market, the derivatives market of Euronext that had been acquired by Euronext in the early 2000s. And they carved out what they didn't like, which was the pure cash equity trading businesses of Paris, Amsterdam, Brussels, and Lisbon. So the starting point uh, uh, of, of Euronext in 2014 was a single purpose, pure cash equity trading and listing company. And, and the definition of this group of assets was the assets that uh, Jasper and Ice didn't want to keep because he felt that they were uh, underperforming, low growth, uh, problem assets. Mm -hmm. We turned them into a very uh, uh, 
efficient organization. We doubled the EBITDA margin or close to double. We did grow through acquisitions and we built the, the company I've described earlier on, which today, tonight, has a market cap of 8.5 billion. But the starting point was different because while Euronext was, uh, was under ownership of, um, of, uh, of, of NYSE and no investments were being made to diversify the top line, Deutsche Börse was buying the minority owners of, uh, of stocks, was buying, were buying the minority owners of Clearstream, uh, LSC was buying the, 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 the uh, Russell's indices business, was buying the minority owners, the minority shoulders of, um, of FTSE, etc. So the diversification started much earlier on with the two competitors. And for us, it started when we were allowed to start it because we had become independent. But until we, we became independent, there was no space for diversification. Today, we are clearly committed to, to do two things, to maintain the super uh, efficient and uh, profitable business of our cash equity trading, which is a good business when you know how to manage the yield and the uh, and, and, and the market share as demonstrated in the good equity trading years like uh, 2021 and mm -hmm. 2020 and to a certain extent 2022. And at the same time, we want to, to use the proceeds or the, 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 the cash flow we generate to that business to, to buy uh, assets with, uh, which bring diversification to your next. The mm -hmm. problem is that the pure data assets are becoming extremely expensive. Yes. And there is something we don't do at Euronex is strategic deals. What uh, strategic deals being defined, you know, the word strategic or the adjective strategic is used very often to, to, to define or to, to characterize a transaction where you know from day one that you are going to lose a lot of money. So you need to tell a story uh, to compensate for that. And then you pen the deal in strategic. So we are not going to pay 40 times EBITDA for any transaction because we have a strict mandate which is to create capital, not to destroy capital. Yeah. That's why we do not invest in any company or in any asset or in any project where the return on capital employed between year three and five is not above the work of the company. That sounds like a sort of self-inflicted discipline, but that means that we create capital, we don't destroy capital. And within that constraint, which is, which is very, very strong at your next, uh, which has guaranteed the strength of the balance sheet and the strength of the of the company. Uh, we never had any impairment, like some of our peers have to do from time to time. We we never do a deal just to hide the previous one. Uh, uh, we we over deliver on all the synergies. I mean, you know, in Italy, we said uh, when we bought Borsa Italiana, we will deliver 60 million of synergies by the end of uh, 24. And we have we are going to deliver by the end of 23 70 million. So we said later on, you know what, by the end of 24, we will be delivering 100. And then we say, it won't be 100, it will be 115. And I can tell you, we will be delivering by the end of 24, for sure, 115 million. So we, we under-promise, we over-deliver, and therefore, that puts us in a league which is very determined to grow and to diversify the top line, but in a league that is also very determined not to burn shareholders' money to do deals at crazy valuations. But definitely, we want to diversify the company, and definitely, we monitor all the relevant situations. Neil has a, an interesting question from uh, the floor here. Thanks for this one, Neil. As the London Stock Exchange loses its grip in Europe, does anything prohibit Euronext from purchasing the LSE? 
unfortunately, it's a bit too late. Uh, uh, we 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 have synergies within Euronex when uh, when we create uh, a single liquidity pool, a single order book, a single technology platform, and uh, an harmonized rule book and single supervision. If uh, um, there is an appetite from uh, London Stock Exchange Group to contribute uh, uh, the London Stock Exchange, the, the, the London Stock Exchange to the European project, and if the FCA is eager to come back as member of the of the uh, uh, College of Supervisors of Euronext, which they used to be, huh? because we we used to have a regulated market in London, we we discontinued that scheme when after Brexit. Why not? But I, I don't feel that it is the direction of, of travel unless uh, the the uh, satisfaction of uh, having taken back control is is there and people are happy to to share and to contribute and to be part of a. So, but I, I'm not sure uh, the London Section Group needs it, uh, and uh, and and I'm not sure there is a, an appetite uh, in in London for for this type of uh, of consolidation. We, uh, we've just got one minute left. Time does fly by. Um, why, why do we, we close with maybe, you know, your, your one, one thing that you, you really want to focus on above everything else? And we've talked very broadly, but 2024, if you want to get to the end of it and say, I achieved X, what would that be? Okay. Um, 2024 is 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 a pivoting moment for Euronex because I call this year the nickname of this year internally is um, and during um, I don't know whether it's the same sentence you use in English language but during uh, during works sales go on you know those big signs that uh, shopkeepers put on their shops when when they they, they they refurbish the shops and they want to customers to continue getting in. In 24, we are going to complete by the summer 24, 90% of the synergies that we are going to deliver by December 24 in relation to Borsa Italiana. So the, 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 the integration of Borsa Italiana is de-risked, but some big projects like the migration of, uh, of derivatives uh, markets to Euronext clearing have to happen uh, at the beginning of, uh, of Q3. Uh, so, Delivering those heavy lifting projects is complicated and we focus a lot of attention. Never forget that we have delivered a lot of things that had been unprecedented. I mean, we migrated in 14 months the, the core data center of Yonex from Basildon near London to Ponte San Pietro near Bergamo and Milan. Uh, we migrated the, the, the trading uh, of Italian markets uh, from the LSE uh, technology to the UNX technology and to create the single liquidity pool. We migrated clearing uh, of a cash equity clearing, which, which, which has not been done before and was completed in November, and we are going to migrate uh, derivatives. So we have a lot of heavy lifting stuff to deliver and to complete. But in parallel, we are going to reinvent the organizations to monetize, as I said, the integrated value chain we have today from listing, trading, clearing, settlement and custody. And we are going to accelerate the diversification through potential acquisitions of, of, other, of other assets. So, and, and, which is the, the most important thing, we are going to embark into a strong ambition of organic growth, which is very, very different from anything that uh, that others have done, which is stretching the post-merger integration into incremental organic growth. We are re-engineering the organizations 
we are addressing issues related to organizations, processes, mm -hmm. talents, people, mindset, to redefine the organization to deliver much more organic growth. Because we, we must uh, create a situation where the growth profile of the company is, is much stronger. And, and that's, that's for me the, the key highlight of the organization, to do at the same time completion of heavy lifting uh, projects and agility uh, unleashing in the, in the organization and in the minds of people. Stefan, I wish you all all the best with everything and and have an amazing Christmas. And uh, thanks so much for for joining us again today. And thanks so much to our audience for tuning in. Today is our last Barons Live of the year. We want to thank all of you listeners for making this daily call possible. We really appreciate your interest and your engagement, and we've learned so much from all of you. Barons Live will be back on Monday, January the eighth. Until then, happy holidays and a half Barons Live. I wish you a wonderful new year. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.